My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, the story podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 163, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, Isaiah 10 through 15 and Proverbs 10, verses 13 to 20. Isaiah 10. Woe to those who make unjust laws to those who issue oppressive decrees, to deprive the poor of their rights and withhold justice from the oppressed of my people, making widows their prey and robbing the fatherless. What will you do on the day of reckoning when disaster comes from afar? To whom will you run for help? Where will you leave your riches? Nothing will remain but to cringe among the captives or fall among the slain. Yet from all this, his anger is not turned away. His hand is still upraised. Woe to the Assyrian, the rod of my anger, in whose hand is the club of my wrath. I send him against a godless nation. I dispatch him against a people who anger me, to seize, loot, and snatch plunder, and to trample them down like mud in the streets. But this is not what he intends. This is not what he had in his mind. His purpose is to destroy, to put an end to many nations. Are not my commanders all kings, he says? Has not Kalno fard like Karshemesh? Is not Hameth like Arpad and Samaria like Damascus? As my hand sees the kingdoms of the idols, kingdoms whose images excelled those of Jerusalem and Samaria, shall I not deal with Jerusalem and her images as I dealt with Samaria and her idols? When the Lord has finished all his work against Mount Zion and Jerusalem, he will say, I will punish the king of Assyria for the willful pride of his heart and the haughty look in his eye. For he says, By the strength of my hand I have done this, and by my wisdom because I have understanding. I removed the boundaries of nations. I plundered their treasures. Like a mighty one, I subdued their kings. As one reaches into a nest, so my hand reached for the wealth of the nations. As people gather abandoned eggs, so I gathered all the countries. Not one flapped a wing or opened its mouth to chirp. Does the axe rise itself above the person who swings it, or the saw boast against the one who uses it? As if a rod were to wield the person who lifts it up, or a club brandish the one who is not wood. Therefore, the Lord, the Lord Almighty, will send a wasting disease upon his sturdy warriors. Under his pomp, a fire will be kindled like a blazing flame. The light of Israel will become a fire, their holy one, a flame. In a single day, it will burn and consume his thrones and his briars. The splendor of his forests and fertile fields, it will completely destroy. As when a sick person wastes away, and the remaining trees of his forests will be so few that a child could write them down. In that day, the remnant of Israel, the survivors of Jacob, will no longer rely on him who struck them down, but will truly rely on the Lord, the Holy One of Israel. A remnant will return, a remnant of Jacob will return to the mighty God. Though your people will be like the sand by the sea, Israel, only a remnant will return. Destruction has been decreed, overwhelming and righteous. The Lord, the Lord Almighty, will carry out the destruction decreed upon the whole land. 
Therefore, this is what the Lord, the Lord Almighty says, My people who live in Zion, do not be afraid of the Assyrians who beat you with a rod and lift up a club against you, as Egypt did. Very soon my anger against you will end, and my wrath will be directed to their destruction. The Lord Almighty will lash them with a whip, as when he struck down Midian at the rock of Areb, and he will raise his staff over the waters, as he did in Egypt. And that day their burden will be lifted from your shoulders, their yoke from your neck. The yoke will be broken because you have grown so fat. They enter Ayeth, they pass through Migron, they store supplies at Mikmash, they go over the pass and say, We will camp overnight at Geba. Ramah trembles, Gibeah of Saul flees, cry out, daughter Galim, listen, Lasha, poor Anathoth, Madmanah is in flight, the people of Gebim take over. This day they will halt at Nob, they will shake their fist at the mount of daughter Zion, at the hill of Jerusalem. See, the Lord, the Lord Almighty, will lop off the bows with great power. The lofty trees will be felled, the tall ones will be brought low, he will cut down the forest thickets with an axe. Lebanon will fall before the mighty one. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord, and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness. He will judge the needy. With justice, he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, and the calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, the young will lie down together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put its hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. And that day the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him and his resting place will be glorious. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to reclaim the surviving remnant of his people from Assyria, from Lower Egypt, from Upper Egypt, from Cush, from Elam, from Babylonia, from Hamath, and from the islands of the Mediterranean. He will raise a banner for the nations and gather the exiles of Israel. He will assemble the scattered people of Judah from the four quarters of the earth. Ephraim's jealousy will vanish, and Judah's enemies will be destroyed. Ephraim will not be jealous of Judah, nor Judah hostile toward Ephraim. They will swoop down on the slopes of Philistia to the west. Together they will plunder the people to the east. They will subdue Edom and Moab, and the Ammonites will be subject to them. The Lord will dry up the gulf of the Egyptian sea. With a scorching wind, he will sweep his hand over the Euphrates River. He will break it up into seven streams so that anyone can cross over in sandals. There will be a highway for the remnant of his people that is left from Assyria, as there was from Israel when they came up from Egypt. In that day you will say, I will praise you, Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away, and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord himself, is my strength and my defense. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation." 
In that day you will say, Give praise to the Lord, proclaim His name, make known among the nations what He has done, and proclaim that His name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for He has done glorious things. Let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. A prophecy against Babylon that Isaiah son of Amoz saw. Raise a banner on a bare hilltop. Shout to them, beckon to them to enter the gates of the nobles. I have commanded those I prepare for battle. I have summoned my warriors to carry out my wrath, those who rejoice in my triumph. Listen, a noise on the mountains, like that of a great multitude. Listen, an uproar among the kingdoms, like nations massing together. The Lord Almighty is mustering an army for war. They come from faraway lands, from the ends of the heavens, the Lord and the weapons of His wrath to destroy the whole country. Wail, for the day of the Lord is near. It will come like destruction from the Almighty. Because of this, all hands will go limp. Every heart will melt with fear. Terror will seize them. Pain and anguish will grip them. They will writhe like a woman in labor. They will look aghast at each other, their faces aflame. See, the day of the Lord is coming, a cruel day with wrath and fierce anger, to make the land desolate and destroy the sinners within it. The stars of heaven and their constellations will not show their light. The rising sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. I will punish the world for its evil, the wicked for their sins. I will put an end to the arrogance of the haughty and will humble the pride of the ruthless. I will make people scarcer than pure gold, more rare than the gold of Ophir. Therefore, I will make the heavens tremble and the earth will shake from its place at the wrath of the Lord Almighty in the day of his burning anger. Like a hunted gazelle, like a sheep without a shepherd, they will all return to their own people. They will flee to their native land. Whoever is captured will be thrust through. All who are caught will fall by the sword. Their infant will be dashed to pieces before their eyes. Their houses will be looted and their wives violated. See, I will stir up against them the medes who do not care for silver and have no delight in gold. Their bows will strike down the young men. They will have no mercy on infants, nor will they look with compassion on children. Babylon, the jewel of kingdoms, the pride and glory of the Babylonians, will be overthrown by God like Sodom and Gomorrah. She will never be inhabited or lived in through all generations. There no nomads will pitch their tents. There no shepherds will rest their flocks. But desert creatures will lie there. Jackals will fill her house. There the owls will dwell. Wild goats will leap about. Hyenas will inhabit her strongholds. Jackals her luxurious palaces. Her time is at hand and her days will not be prolonged. The Lord will have compassion on Jacob. Once again, he will choose Israel and will settle them in their own land. Foreigners will join them and unite with the descendants of Jacob. Nations will take them and bring them to their own place, and Israel will take possession of the nations and make them male and female servants in the Lord's land. They will make captives of their captors and rule over their oppressors. On the day the Lord gives you relief from your suffering and turmoil and from the harsh labor forced on you, you will take up this taunt against the king of Babylon. How the oppressor has come to an end, how his fury has ended. The Lord has broken the rod of the wicked, the scepter of the rulers, which in angry struck down peoples with unceasing blows and in fury subdued nations with relentless aggression. All the lands are at rest and at peace they break into singing. Even the junipers and the cedars of Lebanon gloat over you and say, now that you have been laid low, no one comes to cut us down. 
The realm of the dead below is all astir to meet you at your coming. It rouses the spirits of the departed to greet you, all those who were leaders in the world. It makes them rise from their thrones, all those who were kings over the nations. They will all respond. They will all say to you, You also have become weak as we are. You have become like us. All your pomp has been brought down to the grave along with the noise of your harps. Maggots are spread out beneath you and worms cover you. How you have fallen from heaven, morning star, sun of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will rise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zephon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Those who see you stare at you. They ponder your fate. Is this the man who shook the earth and made kingdoms tremble? The man who made the world a wilderness, who overthrew its cities and would not let his captives go home. All the kings of the nations lie in state, each in his own tomb. But you are cast out of your tomb like a rejected branch. You are covered with the slain, with those pierced by the sword, those who descend into the stones of the pit. Like a corpse trampled underfoot, you will not join them in burial, for you have destroyed your land and killed your people. Let the offspring of the wicked never be mentioned again. Prepare a place to slaughter his children for the sins of their ancestors. They are not to rise to inherit the land and cover the earth with their cities. I will rise up against them, declares the Lord Almighty. I will wipe out Babylon's name and survivors, her offspring and descendants, declares the Lord. I will turn her into a place for owls and into swampland. I will sweep her with the broom of destruction, declares the Lord Almighty. The Lord Almighty has sworn, surely, as I have planned, so it will be, and as I have purposed, so it will happen. I will crush the Assyrian in my land. On my mountains, I will trample him down. His yoke will take from my people and his burden removed from their shoulders. This is the plan determined for the whole world, for this is the hand stretched out over all nations. For the Lord Almighty has purposed, and who can thwart him? His hand is stretched out, and who can turn it back? The prophecy came in the year King Ahaz died. Do not rejoice, all you Philistines, that the rod that struck you is broken. From the root of the snake will spring up a viper. Its fruit will be darting venomous serpent. The poorest of the poor will find pasture, and the needy will lie down in safety. But your root I will destroy by famine. It will slay your survivors. Wail, you gate. Howl, you city. Melt away, all you Philistines. A cloud of smoke comes from the north, and there is not a straggler in its ranks. What answer shall be given to the envoys of that nation? The Lord has established Zion, and in her his afflicted people will find refuge. A prophecy against Moab. Ar in Moab is ruined, destroyed in a night. Kur in Moab is ruined, destroyed in a night. Dibon goes up to its temple, to its high places to weep. Moab wails over Nebo and Medabah. Every head is shaved and every beard cut off. In the streets they wear sackcloth, on the roofs and in the public squares they all wail. Prostrate with weeping. Heshbon and Eliah cry out. Their voices are heard all the way to Jehaz. Therefore, the armed men of Moab cry out, and their hearts are faint. My heart cries out over Moab. Her fugitives flee as far as Zoar. As far as Elgath, Shalishiah, they go up to the hill to Luhith, weeping as they go on the road to Haranam. They lament their destruction. The waters of Nimrin are dried up and the grass is withered. The vegetation is gone and nothing green is left. 
So the wealth they have acquired and stored up, they carry away over the ravine of the poplars. Their outcry echoes along the border of Moab. Their wailing reaches as far as Eglam, their lamentation as far as Beer Elim. The waters of Demon are full of blood, but I will bring still more upon Demon, a lion upon the fugitives of Moab, and upon those who remain in the land. Proverbs 10, verse 13. Wisdom is found on the lips of the discerning, but a rod is for the back of one who has no sense. The wise store up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool invites ruin. The wealth of the rich is their fortified city, but poverty is the ruin of the poor. The wages of the righteous is life, but the earnings of the wicked are sin and death. Whoever heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray. Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. Okay, so a little contextual lesson from Dr. Sandra Richter, who has taught theology at Westmont and Wheaton and received her theological education from places like Gordon-Conwell and Harvard. We've been talking about prophets, priests, and kings, but we haven't really stopped to clarify the role of each and the relationship between them. Because Isaiah is such an influential prophet, it might be a good point to share some of her rich insights and see what you think. Israel was a theocracy, meaning it was ruled by God. He sat in the temple on the throne of the cherubim. Think of Yahweh God as the top of a triangle, Dr. Richter says. On the right side, rather, high up is the prophet, on that right angle of the line there. On the left side of the triangle, a little bit lower down, then the prophet is the king on that side. And on the bottom line of the triangle is the priest. Dr. Richter explains that this is because, like we learned in 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, and 1st and 2nd Chronicles, the prophet tells the king what to do. It's the prophet that appoints and anoints the king, and it's the prophet that tells the king he's not going to be king anymore. Dr. Richter calls the prophet a kingmaker, a kingbreaker, and the mouthpiece of God. The king of Israel is an official, a leader, and an executor of justice and righteousness, like a vice regent, and a priest is an intercessor of the people back to Yahweh God, helping the people navigate to Jesus for atonement, putting God on display, and being prodigally generous. Remember, we are called to become a kingdom of priests. Deuteronomy 13 verses 1 through 5 are the first pieces of Israel's legislation regarding the definition of a prophet, an office that cannot be outranked by a king or a priest. A prophet is a dreamer of dreams that gives you a sign or wonder that comes true. But if that prophet instructs you to follow another god or go against the Lord's commands, it is a test. Because Shema, love and follow the Lord, your God with all your heart and obey his commands, always comes first. Dr. Richter explains that this is doctrine and it comes before our experience. It's like a North Star. This wisdom nugget I found really valuable by reflecting back to Deuteronomy 13 verses 1 through 5 and then as we're reading Isaiah. Let our knowledge of God through His Word help us interpret our experiences and not the other way around. In Deuteronomy 18, we get a list of all the ways and names of the roles of practices and people in the divine-like intermediary business. In that time and place, they were seeking to know the future and understand divinity. Why? There's a market for it. People want to hear from the divine. 
They want to know, kind of like we still do want to know what's coming, what's next, and how to take and gain the benefit we're looking for. Even though we might not say it like that, that is probably what we're looking for. I think we can recognize something of this because these are still practiced today. But this legislation is God saying to the people, when you get to the promised land and see this, know this is not what or how we're going to operate as a people. People are not going to sell you an idea that they know what I think and know the future. Instead, I'm going to speak to you. I being God, I'm going to speak to you, Israel, directly. The diviner, or the diviner intermediary business, used omens, predictors of the future that were sometimes casual, like an unexpected natural event, an overly large flock of birds, or a deformed fetus of an animal. They would then assign meaning to this. Another type of omen, which we probably know more about, is contrived omens, one that is solicited. This would be something like a pilgrimage or quest, a travel to a place in isolation, or astrology, the use of stars. The one Dr. Richter zoomed in on is ecstasy. The job sounds hard just based on the word, and it really is. So ecstasy, E-X-P-T-I-S-P-I-C-Y, is reading the entrails of a slaughtered animal, typically lungs and liver. The messaging is typically if, you know, organs are arranged in this way after they're slaughtered, then this is the outcome. And if you were in this business, you would have to learn all of these if and then patterns. She even found a clay model for how to read a liver. Dr. Richter read countless omen methods in the ancient world, and they are found in literature, stone statues, and of course in the Bible too. And in Numbers 23, remember how the people of God are moving out of the wilderness through Edom, Moab, and Ammon. God wants them to pay the passage, don't pick a fight, keep going. But remember what happened? In Moab, the king was so scared of all the people of God, he hired a divine intermediary called Balaam. And remember how Balaam was still subject to the will of God? He tried to curse the tribes using this omen slaughtered animal situation four times. But Balaam says to the king in verse 23, so in Numbers chapter 3 verse 23, their God, the God of Israel, speaks directly to them. There is no divination. And also, he's the God of gods, right? Then fast forward to Deuteronomy 18 verse 15. Rather than divination, God will raise up for you a prophet like Moses from among you, from your countrymen, and you shall listen. This theocratic office, this is the role model for this position. They step into God's presence and hear God directly, his word for the purpose of giving that word to the people of God. Thanks be to God, as Dr. Richter states. It kind of sounds like he gives the blessing to be a blessing. He gives the word to share the word. In the kingdom of God, there wasn't this sense of guessing. It was God speaks, you'll hear, and you'll and we'll go forward together. And like we learned in Isaiah 6, yesterday, how did a prophet hear God? It was either a vision or he was actually drawn into the throne room of God. Dr. Richter explains, which, which one do you think it is? Or it was. It's so cool to reflect on. So that, again, read back to Isaiah 6, how Isaiah said he was in front of the presence of God. So a prophet was invited via dream, reality, or some third way into the throne room of God. The prophet heard God, and that's why we frequently read when they're speaking and we're reading it, thus says the Lord, or the word of Yahweh. 
the prophet is the envoy, the messenger of the great king. This modifies and would have been understood to the ancient people as a twist on the other religious practices like the Canaanites, who had a table of gods that would deliberate, and then the weakest of them was told to go and tell the humans about their decision. However, Yahweh God is right-citing the story, making the correction. No, He is God, so this monotheistic truth, and He will deliberate, and He will select the messenger to tell His people. This position was like, so the prophet, the prophet position was like an evangelist and a teacher, but this office also came with incredible political authority in the kingdom of God. Dr. Richter also describes a prophet as a diplomat and a lawyer. And what we are reading from Isaiah is what she describes as something like a prophet covenantal lawsuit based on the grounds of failure. The language is a summons with accusations. She describes how Isaiah starts with a summons, then gives an accusation, then a pause for lament. This is so unusual in the sense that if we see a lawyer giving a winning argument on TV or in real life, we don't really see them pause to empathize or perhaps cry for the guilty party. This is because the prophet speaks for God and God is affected by his people's defection. So Isaiah comes with warning, lawsuit, and then judgment. But there is also this glimmer of hope for restoration. If repentance and this transformation give your heart, choose Shema, choose Yahweh God. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.